Our first scripture reading comes from the Hebrew scriptures from the book of Genesis. Speaking of siblings and sibling rivalry, you might remember that Jacob had a twin brother, Esau. And in these times, the older sibling would receive a special blessing from their parent. And what had happened was Jacob had tricked Esau, who had been born just moments before him, and had stolen his birthright as the firstborn twin. So they had parted for many, many years, Jacob always afraid that Esau did want to kill him for what he had done, and he is returning now to their homeland, a very wealthy man. And what he wants most of all is for his brother to welcome him home and forgive him. So what he does is he takes some of his livestock in groups and sends them ahead with servants, one group and then a a little space of time and another group, and telling each of his servants to try to make peace with his brother for him, to say, this is a gift from your brother Jacob. And then ultimately, he is at the bank of a river, and he gets up and finally sends his family onto the other side of the river until last he is left alone, waiting through the night to know if his brother will accept him back. So hear now these words from Scripture. Jacob was left alone And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Now names have so much meaning in the Bible. Israel means one who prevails, and El means God. In this new name, Jacob finds out that this man he has been wrestling with is none other than God's self. And the reason this being, this divine being, says, let me go for day is breaking, is that no one shall look on the face of God and live. So this is a holy moment as the sun starts to rise and God needs to escape. But how is it that Jacob is strong enough to keep his tight grip on this holy one? I will not let you go unless you bless me. So then Jacob tells him, having received his new name, Israel, For you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed, the the divine one says. Jacob responds with, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. What a sacred story, that Jacob could wrestle with God all night long, wrestle a blessing from him, and go limping away off to meet his brother. Our second reading comes from the Gospel of Luke in the 18th chapter. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a widow... In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. 
In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him, saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice, so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them, and yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find such faith on earth? One of the beautiful things about this story is this dramatic irony, that here is this judge with no fear of God and no compassion for people, exactly the opposite of what you would expect, and here is this widow. Pastor Sutton reminded us when he preached on World Communion Sunday that to be a A widow in those days was to have absolutely nothing and to be no one in society. And yet here she is with the backbone. She will not stop pestering and demanding the justice that she knows she deserves. So, friends, we are in our um, stewardship season, and you've been hearing and will continue to hear sermons on giving. But you have a break for today, and you get this oddball sermon— that if I were to give sermons titles, which I don't because they're never ready soon enough, I know I've heard some feedback that you would like sermon titles, so here it is, Annoying God. (laughs) Nick Page, in our community sing-along last month, reminded us of the words of Elie Wiesel, who wrote that the opposite of love is not hate. Do you remember what it is? Indifference. The opposite of love is indifference. So in relationships, it's so interesting to me that any loving relationship you might idealize and think that you would never have conflict, never have problems, never fight, but this simply just is not true. If you love someone, like the kids we know love their siblings, and yet they do squabble, it's just natural every human relationship will have some of this bickering and bantering. And in in an article that I read this past week, there was a couple in the UK married for 75 years. They were each just turning 100 and celebrated their 75th wedding anniversary. And they revealed their shocking secret, the title says. Don't you love the clickbait articles? Reveal shocking secret to successful marriage. Do you know what it was? What they called a daily tiff. Just a little trivial banter, a little trivial fight. Their son said it's rare to see a marriage last so long, and they got something right, and it is lovely. So there is hope for us all. A little fight does not mean that you don't love someone. In fact, it might mean that you love them very much and that you feel close enough to them to have that banter and know that you will forgive one another and make up and move on. So you might be wondering what this has to do with scripture and how this is possibly a sermon. Well, I believe that God wrestles with us, just like Jacob wrestled with God and received a blessing. And I believe that God is okay with us wrestling back, just as Jesus says that 
He hopes that there will be such faith on earth, that people could pester God like this widow, demanding day after day after day, give me justice, that this could be a bickering, bantering, squabbling relationship between God and us, and that that's actually okay. If we were to have a concept of God where God is too far removed and too distant, that we don't feel that we can argue back with God, that might just mean that God is someone we think of as impersonal, someone who's so far removed as to be indifferent to us, and we could become indifferent to God. Some marriage therapists describe a phenomenon when during the course of a formerly high-conflict marriage, everything seems to finally settle down. But they say this is the most dangerous time in a relationship, and what it usually means is that somebody has already decided to leave. And that is when they've decided to give up, that they stop pushing back on their partner for what it is that they hope to have in their relationship. So with God, it is so strange to think of God as a spouse, but throughout the scriptures, and I invite you all to come to our Wednesday morning Bible study where we're reading um, the prophet Isaiah, where God over and over again is described as the spouse of the people. God is that loving spouse who knows just how to bother the people and the people know just how to bother God right back. And what matters is how often they reaffirm the covenant, how often they decide to stick it out and stay together and to love one another. We might want to assume that God is so formal and so high and mighty and so far away that this wouldn't be okay. But in a life of faith, the more you really dig into your relationship with God, hopefully the more you realize that it's, in fact, the very opposite. Sociologists have this idea of a um, a kind of index. It's called a PDI, where there's a, a way of rating just how far removed your local elected officials are from you, where how far different distant parents are from children, how distant bosses are from their employees, and they can rank cultures on a scale and say, is this a culture that places such a very high value on, on hierarchy that nobody can argue with their superior, that there is no banter, that there is no pushing back and challenging, or is this the kind of family or the kind of work environment or the kind of society where that banter is healthy and acceptable and okay? Is this the kind of place where the manager's office door is open? Is this the kind of place where parents shout at their children, you should be seen and not heard, and because I said so, and don't talk back? Or is it the kind of family where that sort of thing is nurtured and debate is healthy and allowed? Well, God wants a very low score on this index, on this hierarchical differentiation index. God's door is always open, and God wants us to be like the widow who doesn't stop coming. Quinn Caldwell wrote a beautiful still-speaking daily devotional and said, what if all this time, all this relationship with God has been one centuries long? Please, please, God, please. And what if all this time God has been muttering through clenched teeth, Oh, myself, I wish they would just shut up. <laughs> but on the other hand, he writes, it's kind of nice to think that we might have that kind of influence on God, that there is something that might move the unmoved mover. 
Little kids whine because it's often the only leverage they have, but maybe the prayers of us insignificant humans work the same way on the Almighty. Quinn Caldwell continues, Maybe our prayers are annoying to God. Maybe they're not. But let's keep praying, everybody. I think she's going to crack any time now. (laughs) I don't think our prayers are annoying to God. I think, actually, that our Christian tradition holds that God was lonely, that God created human beings out of a need for love and connection. And that God would so much rather have us banging down the doors of heaven, begging and pleading for what we want, than to have us be quiet. I truly believe that. And I believe that in our everyday lives, like Jacob, we wrestle God in disguise. I want you to think for a moment about what it is that you strive with, what you wrestle with, what it is you're fighting to get past or get through and get over, and perhaps that very thing is God in disguise, and that God wants for you to wrestle, that God celebrates your strife and your struggle, that God created us to be people who don't take life lying down, who don't look at the status quo and think, well, it's not great, but I'll live with it, that God created us to be smart and scrappy and wiry and strong. God created us to have creative gifts that we can lean on one another and think, Well, maybe I don't know how to solve this problem, but I know who does, and to work collaboratively. And that no matter what it is that we're going through, we aren't afraid of God in some far-off cloud judging us, but that we can whine and pitch a fit, that we can want to arm wrestle over it, that we might get our hip knocked out of joint, that we might walk away limping, but that God wants to be that deeply embroiled and engaged with us, and that it is all a good and healthy thing. For us to take on the name of a people of Israel, it wasn't just Jacob who's named Israel, but it's the whole legacy of this people of faith, which we claim to be grafted onto, we claim this tradition to, that we are a people who prevails with God. That's who we are, that's who God created us to be, and that's who God wants us to continue to be. So may we find that we are so close to God that our prayers seem unceasing to the point where they could even be annoying. But may we find that we are close enough to God that we're not worried about it, that we don't check our tone, that we don't question our behavior when it comes to God, that we fight with God knowing that God does not ever intend to leave us that God will always be with us to renew the covenant, to move forward with us. And may we be close enough to God that a long whining, please, God, please, from wherever we are, feels just fine and appropriate. And may we trust that the unmoved mover, in fact, hears, cares, and responds. Amen.